0: From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Get fired up. Oh, yeah. Performance, Performance enhancing, enhancing audio. audio.
1: This is the State of Combat Podcast with Brian Campbell.
0: Oh, yeah, the dying days of the SOC. You hear that music, you're getting fired up. It's going to be MK territory around these parts before you know it. But for today, the mixed martial arts is back in your ear hole. BC, your boy, the Brian Campbell, the voice that you hear. You know, I got a co host of royalty, if you will, a UFC Hall of Famer, a former. 205-pound champion of the damn world. He'll survive earthquakes. He'll survive the weight we put on when we turn 40. His name is Sugar Rashad Evans, my friend, my man. How is it?
1: My man, it is beautiful, man. I love, I love the little addition, the weight that we put on when we're 40. I love that, BCLA. These introductions are getting better and better, man. Uh, or worse. It's depending
0: upon your opinion <laughs> here, Rashad Evans. But uh, great to be back with you. Uh, as we mentioned, uh, Luke Thomas has joined the fold here at CBS. Big things to come for Morning yes, Combat. We're playing out the string here. Hey, next week, Luke Thomas on vacation. How about some Rashad Evans on some Morning Combat Monday morning, all right? Let's bang that out, all right? Let's do that jam that I'm talking about. But uh, today, Rashad, we're going to talk about all things of the resurrection of Alistair Overeem. Uh, Our old friend Nick Diaz is thinking about – is not thinking about – is ready, is freaking ready – for a damn comeback. If I want to say fuck you oh. and look at you to your face and say, hey, fuck your mother, okay, okay. then that's, I can yeah. do that. Yeah. So I don't have to worry about, yeah. like, what am I, you know, okay, be already all right, you got to worry about some things on the show. Sorry if, uh, if that offended anybody, but we'll get into that. Does that get you excited at all?
1: Yeah. It yeah. got me real excited, man.
0: <laughs> also, Rashad, I don't know if you've been following uh, BKFC, you know, that that carnival fisticuff thing. Oh, yeah. But uh, Phil Baroni pulled out of Friday night's uh, main event against. Uh, I think it's Tiago Alves and guess who they got to replace him? If you could guess any name in the frickin' world that they got to replace the Long Island bad boy, whatever the hell they call uh, Baroni these days. How about this guy, Rashad? Let me f- bang, man. I wanna do that, man. Let me f- bang, man. I <laughs> He's he? he fucking big, bro. He's gonna adjust it lay. He's gonna bang Friday. No way. They gonna yeah. let him bang, huh? They gonna let him bang, bro. Damn bare knuckles. So uh shout out to those folks over there. uh, Wow, the world is a wild place indeed. uh Rashad, the world isn't all fisticuffs these days, though. uh You got you you, you embroiled in any fantasy football?
1: Nah, but I'm about to get started, man. I am about to get started. Fantasy football is something that I, I dig every year. I look forward to so. Okay, can't wait. I can
0: well, I want you to dig. I know you already are downloaded and, and, and up to speed on what we do at CBS Sports, the Fantasy Football Today podcast. I mean, look, that, they've been delivering league-winning analysis and advice for, what, a decade now? But they had a child, Rashad, all right? They banged, brother. They banged, okay? <laughs> and their spinoff is something you may need in your life. It's coming at you fast with a brand-new feed. It's called the Fantasy Football Today in 5 podcast your audio outlet for fantasy news and advice in five minutes or fewer. Rashad, uh, five minutes, uh, you know, I I can do a lot of things in five minutes. But I think we all (laughs) – I don't even need that minute. (laughs) I don't even need that long. Uh, I think we all can understand, though. We got time in our life for five minutes, especially. If you're going to play fantasy, you might as well play it right, correct?
1: Hey, BC, listen, I get my face beaten almost all the time by people who have no idea about sports because – I need to listen to a podcast like this myself, man. All right. All right. Well, you can do that now. Five minutes a day. Here's what you're going to get.
0: Familiar voices like Adam Azer and the rest of the FFT crew, Jamie Eisenberg, Dave Richard, Heath Cummings, Ben Gretsch. They're going to break down what matters most to help you win your league in a quick-hitting format available first thing in the morning, Monday through Friday. Download and subscribe to Fantasy Football Today and 5 on Apple Pod, Spotify, Stitcher, your smart speakers. I don't know anywhere else where podcasts, fine audio, is found. Please support our brethren at CBS Sports, Indeed. Uh, Rashad, before we get into the uh, the meat, the news, the life, the you know what's what's going on in the life uh, of the Sugar Man. How are things in South Florida?
1: Things are great, man. I've uh, been training a lot more. You know, we've been um, doing a lot of work at Tyrone's gym. He has a gym at his house called the Lions Den. We've been getting it in with the likes of Greg Hardy, you Ooh. know, uh, you know, a couple other fighters have came down, but it's uh, it's starting to, it's starting to grow into something, man. It's just kind of an old school gym where you just get that work in, and you know, hopefully now, you make it you said,
0: out. Uh, when you say Tyrone, are you talking? Uh, what are we talking here? Are we talk Tyrone
1: here? King of the Ring Spunk. I, I apologize, King of the Ring Tyrone Spunk. Tyrone Spunk Spunk. spunk. <laughs> Spunk? I don't, I don't know. I don't that, know. That we never got to
0: see Alexander Usik against your boy Tyrone, though. That would have been uh, oh, that would have been something, okay? Don't forget. Never forget. Rashad picked the upset in that one, okay? Never forget. No, but I when forget. you say Tyrone, depending on your background, I never know which way you're going. Oh, Tyrone, stop. Long oh, <laughs> You remember that internet dude, Tyrone, who would, uh, yeah, I got, yeah. who would show yeah. up? Yeah, all right. Uh, big news in boxing this week, Rashad. I don't know if you saw that uh, Canelo Alvarez now suing his promoter, Oscar De La Hoya, Golden Boy, and Zone for uh, many, many things. Uh, which could keep boxing's biggest star out of the ring for a while. That's crazy news. You know, that, that that's the equivalent of uh, of John Jones, of, you know, of, of Habib, Conor McGregor coming out and being like, you know what, UFC? Let's go to court because you ain't paying me what you owe me.
1: Yeah, and especially since the fact that you look at Car- uh, Canelo and you just see that he's at the peak. You know, he's getting better and better, and now he's kind of settling into a lot of things that we knew would develop about him, and it's just – a heck of a time for him to go on this this whole thing happening because you never know how long this is going to last.
0: Yeah, indeed. Uh, Canelo, thirty years old, the biggest star. He's number one pound for pound in my list right now. But uh, look, I'm sorry. When DAZN agrees to pay him thirty five mil per year, Rashad, then suddenly they're trying to get a discount out of it. Uh, no, 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 no. I mean, you guys work hard enough. Where if you if you're going to get that money, you're not giving any back, right?
1: I mean, yeah, I, I feel you, man. I mean, they. I mean, yes, I I totally feel him. Get that money.
0: All right. Uh, we're also going to preview this weekend. We got a uh, an all-strawweight female main event in the UFC side. We got two Bellator cards. Worth noting, maybe a new era upon us. Welcome to the Machida era. Oh, well, we've already lived that era. <laughs> that era lasted one fight, but it was a good run, though. Uh, we'll see what happens with Leoto, Phil Davis, part two. All right, here's what we're going to do. Quick pause for the damn cause, all right? Here from our friends and sponsors on the other side. BC Rashad, giving it to you Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And we're back. BC, Sugar, Rashad, and uh, my friend, the story over the weekend from UFC Fight Night in Las Vegas. uh, Come after him. He's a man. He's 40. Alistair Overeem, from what he said last week, he told me on the phone, This is my final run at that elusive UFC championship. He was in there against a red-hot, on paper at least, Augusto Sakai. And good Lord, did he have to earn it. Fifth round TKO. You now have Aleister Overing having won four of his last five. Remember that only loss. He was leading Jair Rosenstruck for about four and nine-tenths of that five-round fight before getting stopped. He has reinvented himself. Is Alistair Overeem as we speak today at 40 a legitimate
1: heavyweight title contender in the UFC? Absolutely. The way he's fighting right now is so smart, and he's he's learned how to absorb powerful shots and, and not take the brunt of them on, on the chin, but just kind of you know absorb them and then implement his game plan slowly. And surely as if like he's a constrictor and slowly, slowly sucking his opponent's life, each breath that they take. And you see that happening every single round. He kind of closes the cage a little bit more that, that grappling against the fence gets a little bit more finer and and, and more finesse. Then he gets a guy to the ground. He's always working inside the clinch, but just what he's been able to do with these heavyweights, he's been able to implement a game plan on the ground, that a lot of people don't really foresee in Alistair Overeem. So whenever he gets him down, it's always a surprise of how heavy he is on top. Training with Alistair Overeem back in the day at Black Zillions, he was one of the hardest guys to ever get off you. Forget about it if he's grounding pounding. So now he's unleashing that part of the game, and I think as the Denver crew, he has to thank for that.
0: Yeah, he gave a lot of he gave some big shout outs before and after the fight to the new camp, uh, Rashad. You know, you've you've been there. You've been there as a guy who has been on top, and then in your later thirties, you know, tried to keep it together. It ain't easy. Guys fall off, or you know what else they do? You know, I'm not trying to take shots at Roy Nelson's gut, but they linger in a certain state, right? They get to a certain point, they say, "Okay, I'm not a title contender anymore, but I could still fight." Overeem never hit that. I mean, he's had some of the most disastrous knockout losses in the history of this sport i mean Nganu and rosenstruck together sent him to the sub basement of hell you know that spot before basement where you open up the floor and there's like a sump pump and there's dirt and there's water under there if you keep digging under there you'll get to that shawshank tunnel where andy got out through but if you dig even lower there's a spot under there called hell That's where they deposited in so many times in his career. He keeps coming back. Rashad, it ain't easy. Seriously, tell us. It ain't easy to absorb 16 L's <laughs> 66 times and get knocked cold multiple times and still be growing as a fighter? This guy's a dinosaur.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's damn near impossible. You know, he's an anomaly for sure. But, but one thing that I, I can say is the main reason why he's been able to grow – is the fact that he he doesn't linger in a camp too long. You know, you talked about lingering. He doesn't linger in a camp too long. When it's not working out, he cuts the ties, he goes somewhere else, and he's always reinvigorating himself because he changes camps, because he goes with different partners, because he's always getting a fresh injection of being at the new spot. So when you're always going to the new spot, and you're not allowing you know, your, yourself to get antiquated by just doing the same thing over and over again in the camp that's not working out for you, you switch it up. So He's, been, he's gained a lot of criticism because of that. People say, you know, oh, he's not you know, too loyal, whatever the case may be. But in a career where you only have so long to compete, you have to do what you have to do. And he's showing a good example of what it could look like if it's done uh, the right way.
0: Yeah, it sounded a lot like pre-marriage Rashad right there, right? Different partners, never staying in one spot too long, coming and going as he (laughs) pleases there. Uh, Let's look at this fight. Sakai, uh, you know, he he brought the fight to him, but here's the deal. He'd never been past three rounds, and I love what Overeem did. He knew this was a, a main event, a marathon fight. He didn't overextend himself in the first two rounds. They were close rounds. I thought he lost both, but they were close rounds. But he waited until that fight got on, and he figured out his lane, Rashad. He tried some different things, and it didn't work. Once he figured out, I can take this guy down, and then I could do some old-school ground-and-pound. And it wasn't easy. Uh, got got caught and beat up a bit himself. But when he started landing that vicious stuff, you could see the life just get drained out of Sakai. This was an old-school beating. I mean, he left a young and seemingly rising fighter on the canvas, like, with nothing left, that's a gritty-ass win. And the fact that he didn't do it Demolition Man style, he didn't walk in there, drop a couple of knees to the face, and that was it. Rashad, he had to earn this shit. You know what I'm saying? So Yeah. yeah, you're damn right. As you mentioned, he is a heavyweight contender. And, you know, the more we think about this, yeah, Overeem lost fights in the UFC. Shouldn't have. I thought he was way too cocky, and he got served against the the Travis Browns, right? At the you know like fights where he was winning Ben Rothwell, and then he gets caught, and you're like, oh, man. But well, he was that close to beating Stipe, and, I, and even even outside of the Stipe tap thing, he dropped him. He was that close. Four years later, I wouldn't favor him. I probably wouldn't favor him to be any of that elite core. And, and right now, the heavyweight division is pretty hot but he's in any of those fights because the power's still there, but I see a much smarter, poised, calculated fighter who's going who's gonna, to, if you make a mistake, he can win the championship from you. That's really what I'm trying to say. He's not going to overwhelm you. This ain't, sorry, this ain't uh, juice to the gills strike force over him. Yeah, I said it, okay? This ain't that guy anymore, but he's smart enough. He'll figure out a way, so the question is, what is his path now to that potential final last shot at glory when you consider we're, we're probably going to see Stipe against Nganu? John Jones is out there. Blades is out there. I think the problem for over him though, Rashad, correct me if I'm wrong, is he's kind of got knocked out by most, most of those guys, though, yeah. in recent history. So where does he go next?
1: Well, I think he still has a way to um, get those guys that bested him those heavy punchers because they're heavy punchers and looking at his last few fights, besides the Rosenstruck fights, you can look at, you know, all around, except for the last little bit of that, that fight. And you can see he's found a way to minimize the damage that these big strikers are landed on him. You know? So it looks as if he found a way to, to minimize taking those big shots. If he could do that in conjunction with, the, the, the experience that he has and this cerebral attack that he's been that he's been mounting his last few fights just being a smarter fighter then he can do some things I think in order for him to really make an impact he has to work on his offensive wrestling he did get the takedowns uh, uh this past weekend but they weren't really really good takedowns he's not taking anyone down who don't want to be taken down like that you know what I'm saying like he, he's gotta he's got to do a better takedown offensive takedown and he has them He really has them. It's just a matter of where he chooses to put that energy. So if he can amount all those things that I said, then he can definitely be a contender. But the biggest problem always comes to Alistair when they get an exchange. Can he survive taking at least one of those flush big shots? That's the key. That is the key. Uh, If we're looking
0: at matchmaking, Rashad, it would seem like all signs would point to Derek Lewis would be the right fight. They haven't fought. Lewis was talking trash during that fight, and they put it up on the screen. That look, that makes a lot of sense. But a lot of people are going, hey, you really want John Jones to get a, a true introduction to the heavyweight division? You could not pick a better name than Overeem. Rashad, what are the odds given what we know about business that this could be the way UFC goes? Because tell me if I'm wrong. That's a that's almost a pay-per-view main event. Maybe I mean it's close. It might be a non-title pay-per-view main event, right? That's a badass fight.
1: That is that'll be a badass fight, and especially since the fact that both of these guys used to be stable mates and they've trained together countless times, so they know each other on an intimate level when it comes to training. So, um, yeah, that, that would be an interesting fight. But here's my thing when it comes to projecting anything with John Jones with his headweight division. It's going to take him some time for him to feel confident enough to, to compete at that weight class. I was just looking at his IG the other day, and he made a comment like, you know, new weight class, same weight. So that shows me that he's still waiting to put on some size and – you know, I think putting on that size where he's going to feel comfortable enough, where he feels that like he can physically dominate, is going to take at least six to eight months.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're gonna, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Um, I also wonder, Rashad. Now, look, it was different when John and Dana had that battle early quarantine over. Okay, you can go to heavyweight, but we're not going to pay you more than we would for a Dom Reyes title defense. Because there was no live gate. Now, look, things have changed with Abu Dhabi. I really believe that, right? We're going back to Fight Island for, for many reasons, all right? It makes sense and dollars. That's why they're going back. Um, do you think UFC would pay, though, John Jones, like pay per view main event championship money, again, for a non championship fight?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, the, the, the big experiment, you know, people want to see John Jones in this new weight class. So it's probably going to be a bigger sell than when he was light heavyweight champion just because of the simple fact that people don't know. It's something new and unexpected. You know, when you've seen John Jones fight in the heavyweight division, it was always like a foregone conclusion as if, like, you knew what was going to happen. So that kind of like, yeah, you know John Jones is going to win. So you didn't want to buy that pay-per-view. But at heavyweight, uh-huh, we just don't know. That's something to buy.
0: Interesting. I wanted to correct myself from earlier. The let me bang bro guy was Julian Lane, not Justin Lane. I butchered that. Uh, He's butchered most of his career, but go ahead. Get that (laughs) bear. Okay, bro. Thank you. Uh, Rashad real quickly on that Colmain event Saturday night. uh, Michelle Pineda. Look, I've I've been very harsh on this fellow. I'm not going to hide from that. Okay. A little bit of a circus clown, but here's the deal. This was the last fight of his UFC deal. He he greatly impressed me. Uh, He went in there against what? I'm a dev. The the Russian fella. Uh, I should have his name. I don't in front of me. Imadiev. Imadiev. Yes, thank you. Um, He he made it look like pro versus amateur. So here's the question. I thought in the second round, he, he went in the wrong direction. Meaning Michelle was back to the Capoeira quick kicks for no reason. Superman kick It was back to like video game. Let's mash the buttons. Let's see if we can make these crazy combos happen. I thought DC on commentary was spot on to, to sort of critique him on that outside of that man. And outside the break into electric boogaloo routine he put on during the introductions, which please tell me that'll gas a fella, right? That, I mean, that'll. Oh, yeah.
1: that'll
0: oh. I mean, come on. Um, the guy looked phenomenal. Mm-hmm. How, how great of a shape was he in physically? Dude, he was like rock hard. Okay. I mean, I almost had a phone or watch. I mean, that guy was like, you know, he was ready. Now there's a debate here because he looks so good there. You're like, if he takes his career seriously, you know, is he a legitimate welterweight contender down the road? A couple more wins because of the fact that his athleticism is next level. He'll try crazy things. He's a very accurate when he wants to be. There's some things to like there. Or should there be fear that there's a a, a miswiring in his brain that makes him want to do the crazy for the sake of doing the crazy? If you're like a coach, how are you going to handicap this guy's long-term potential?
1: You know, I think that he could definitely um, be a potential, you know, a, a big potential, a big heavy hitter in the UFC. Uh even with the antics, I think that the antics it, it it allows him to pull his his opponents into this this egoic battle, right? You know, and, and that's what you see when he's fighting Im- Imadiev. You know, they they got this little egoic battle going on. You've seen it a little bit the weigh-ins, but he's able to pull that off because he's flashing on you. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to be flashed on by this clown, so it pulls you into just responding. And then when you respond, you may not be in good position, and that's when he can take advantage. You know, sometimes he does get a little bit too big, too big into his trick bag, where it affects him, where it affects his conditioning against a guy who is very, um, you know, uh, very basic and who who just, you know, one at one one two, you know, can walk him down and definitely catch him if he does too much circus stuff. But I think some of that circus stuff can get a guy once he has him already off ba- balance, once he has him already off base it can mess him up even further. And it looked like that's what it did against Imadiah. But it, to, to uh, DC's credit, it did allow that second round to be a lot closer than it, than it should have. You know, it looked as if, like, uh, Pereira was just so much uh, on another level when it came to just his creativity, when it came to his striking power, his speed, athleticism, everything about it. You know, he just looked like he was on that level. I worry about him going against other higher, uh, higher competition because is he going to be able to maintain that focus that we've seen him go against Imadayev? You know what I'm saying? Is he going to maintain that focus to fight uh, strategically, you know, solid game plan with one, one, twos and, and, and simple technique when it counts? Because simple technique, when it counts against guys that, that are on the highest level, it, it is, is what really wins fights. You know, you're not going to win the big fights with these higher level t- competition trying to land these big, you know, uh, circus shots.
0: No, you're right, and, and I always say go back <coughs> to young Conor McGregor. He's doing spinning kicks the whole fight, right? When you climb the ladder, though, you can't do that, which is what you said, which I think is what you know. even MVP in Bellator, Michael Venom Page, is going through right now, now that he's caught, a, caught an L in the knockout loss to Lima. you got to figure out that balance. I'll just say this, though. If there's a comparison, it might be fellow Brazilian circus clown Johnny Walker who showed at light heavyweight tremendous right. knockout ability – and then Corey Anderson exposed that you know you grind that dude out, you can gas him and beat him. Wrestling-wise, though, we don't have a we don't have a lot of history to look back on Pedata to see what his wrestling game is. But he went in there against a Russian fellow, and I'm stereotyping Zelim uh, Imaga. Uh, good lord, Magaev. <laughs> uh as you know, a good wrestler without really knowing if he is. But there were points in that third round where out of nowhere. Leading up to that finish, he was ragdolling Imadayev. so yeah. I'm like, if Pedela can can package a good wrestling game, I love the aggression on the ground to go for that choke. Maybe he really has some next level title potential. Obviously, you know, if I'm his coach, man, I say, I say, Key, just just don't gas. You know, two fights ago when he lost to Tristan Connolly, it was because he gassed himself being an asshole. Get rid of the dance on the way to the cage. Save that for after. What I'm not against, Rashad, because I'm certainly not a NFL no-fun-league type of guy, um, I'm not against him trash-talking. I'm all for the slaps. That was entertaining shit because I think that's within the guise of I'm trying to get in your head and win the right. fight. I'm right. just against... Three straight stupid things that's going to gas you, yeah. right? You know, I'm not trying to be the uh, the get off my lawn guy, but very interesting. Uh, that wasn't the co event on Saturday, though. I overlooked the uh, OSP comeback KO. He mm. moved up to heavyweight and lost to Rothwell, then goes back down to 205 and sends Alonzo Menafield to the uh, to to Hades there with that punch. Good to see for for OSP. He's always hit or miss, Rashad. This was hit.
1: It, it, it was definitely hit. And what he showed in that fight is the fact that you know. He's, he's you know, deconstructed his game enough to where now you see technique where you used to see sloppiness. You used to see him to kind of wild in spots like that, but everything about Saturday was all technical. Even the way that he stepped back and was able to find that big, powerful punch that ended midfield, that was all technique. And that's something that we don't typically see. Out of, you know, uh, OSP who sometimes seems, you know, to have, you know, genius happen, but it almost being accidental, you know what I'm saying? His bomb flu chokes, it's genius, but it almost seemed almost accidental, but then you see him hitting it all the time, like, okay, he can really hit this move. But a lot of his other techniques, you you know, you see when he caught Shogun, it seemed like he, it just didn't, you know, it seemed like it was accidental, but now we're seeing that there's more purpose behind his technique, more purpose behind his idea and what he's trying to do in each and every fight. And shout out
0: to Brian Boom Kelleher, who's now fought four times this calendar year after missing all of 2019. He had a hell of a good uh, submission there against late replacement Ray Rodriguez, caught him in the guillotine, and that was it. Uh, That puts a wrap on uh, UFC fight night there, Rashad. We got a couple bit of headlines, though. Nick Diaz being the biggest one of them. So here's the deal. He put out a video Uh, of a a weight cut, which I believe was down around the 165-170 area. I'm sorry, between 165 and 175, trying to prepare himself for a welterweight return. It got a lot of fanfare. Dana White confirmed Tuesday night after the uh, Contender Series show that they have been in discussions, although, quote from Dana, I have no idea what to expect from him in the cage. And that's the real question. We've wanted this guy back. I mean, what? He's fought... I don't know, one time in the past decade or so, it seems, right? And that was that weird fight where he laid down on the, literally laid down against Anderson Silva. Uh, it's been a long time, like 2010, 2009, a long time since he scored a win that's mattered. I want to see him back. I love circus. I love all that crap. Am I wrong though, Rashad? From what we've seen out of him on camera in the last few years, <sighs> to really have questions about if he's all there because he's never really been all there. That's part of the calling card. But now, you know, he's in his late thirties. Even that video of him cutting weight looked weird. He didn't know what to do with his hands. He looked like a T-Rex. Like, I don't know what he was doing. He's a weird freaking dude. We know that. I just don't want somebody to go in there with like, you hate saying words like this, but like early onset CTE, like I just want to make sure that guy's sound before he goes back in there because I have to agree with Dana. He ain't going in there and winning the welterweight title. All right. He may go in there and be one and done for all I know. I'll be excited. Hopefully it's a creative match, but I know wonder boy already said, I want some of him. I'm sure we can get him in the BMF sweepstakes. What are your expectations at age? Uh, I'll look it up for a Nick Diaz. comeback.
1: man. My expectations are not, um, it, it's kind of hard, you know, it's it's kind of hard to say because I don't I don't put him high. I think he, he can be competitive. But uh, like you said, you know, it's hard to really judge how he's going to be competitive based on, you know, how you how I've seen him the last few years just from the interviews, you know, and it's hard to even say the interviews I've seen, you know, was he on something or not. But for, for, for the larger point that I'm trying to make is that it, it's just, you know, does he have that ability on a physical sense? Because mentally speaking, he don't seem like, like, like he's tracking on all cylinders. And then, you know, on, on top of that, you know, uh, you know, has he been really pushing himself? And, and even at 170, 170, is that, you know, is, is that going to be a, a, you know, a good weight class for him and everything else? Like, it's just, it, it's a lot of questions going into this. And he hasn't really fought. He hasn't fought since. in in a long time on top of that and this game has changed so much I can't even explain to you how different it feels when you go with some of these guys who are competing on a consistent basis just because of fact there's so many nuances that happened you know like like the lower leg kick you know when 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 we were competing that wasn't a, a heavy staple but now in almost every single fight you're seeing someone getting a leg blown out from from doing those lower leg kicks so those are some of the things that I, I think that he may have a hard time just adjusting to it because even when he did come back and fight Anderson in that fight, he, he didn't really do anything in that fight. You know, he, he got shut down and then he started doing nonsense, you know, so it's like, what are we going to get when we see him? I, I, I'm a DS fan and I hope that he goes out there and rocks it, but I don't know, man. Yeah, what are we going to see, Nick? A gentleman never tells. Oh, here he is. All right.
0: Well, here's the update on him 37 years old. Hasn't fought since 2015 against Silva. Hadn't fought since two years before that against GSP. Hadn't fought since a year before that when he lost to Condit. The last win was 2011 against BJ Penn. So that's, you know, that's legitimately like two generations ago in MMA speak, you know, in terms of the evolution of where we're at. So, um,. I hate to say this every time there's an old name talking about coming back because it, it almost sounds like I'm disparaging them and Bellator. But I feel like Bellator's the right place for a guy like this right now. I mean, I, I know he's under a UFC contract, but he's got the history with Coker and Strike Force. They could give him the right kind of matchups. Even, right, right. Even do do Dada three thousand level matchups if he actually wanted to. Uh you know what I'm saying? Like and here's, like, here's another point, give Killer, Give him Clay Guida is what I'm saying. Don't give him a killer right now, Rashad. And
1: then, and here here's another thing. Is like we already got one of the Diaz. Like we we got a, a, at one seventy. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I feel as if like and, and I and I don't want to say that because it kinda it kinda pits brother against brother. But at the same time, you know his his brother's a bigger star than UFC right now. And, and I think that it 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 would it's not going to be how it was before for him. And he might not feel the same playing that role. Because before, you know, his brother's playing little brother to him, but now he's playing little brother to his little brother when it comes to just the recognition of who he is, because this new generation don't really know him they don't really they don't really know him at all you know so and the it, drunk dude in Las Vegas seriously he's th- to this generation he's
0: Nate's older brother who shows up in the crowd and gets into fights right like that's who he is
1: yeah I mean I think I think at Bellator he can be that star he can be a bad boy he can have his own space and just be himself
0: it's going to be interesting. Um, I, I feel like we're going to be one and done. He's mercurial enough where he's probably one and done anyway, because that's how the Diaz is sort of roll. But what I don't want to see Rashad is a, is a legitimate matchup against a killer. And within one round, he realizes uh, he's out of this fight. So rather than get, you know, stopped cold, he's, he starts doing some ish. You know what I mean? Like uh, yeah. I love the ish again, same thing with really, it's the same thing with Michelle Pareda. I love the ish when it's, part of the game plan to win the fight i love me when nate diaz was double flipping off cowboy right like you love that (laughs) the guy's head i don't need it though if you're like yeah screw it i'm done i don't want to be here anymore so uh that's going to be interesting but 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 i did want to see it's the same argument with both diaz brothers you want to see a, a good ending like the the, the the moment nate became a star against connor he disappeared for three years it didn't mm-hmm. make any sense i'd yeah. like at least that nate has mounted a somewhat legitimate comeback right had two good wins is going to have the two bmf fights it looks like with masvidal win or lose he's going to get paid he's going to have a proper ending i just don't know if there is a proper ending for nick anymore So that you know, that's the thing. I mean, and let's not forget those dudes, both of them. They had a lot of fights in the late teenage years, and a lot of fights where they weren't making a lot of money, and they were taking damage, and that adds up. You can be old quick before you're old, Rashad. Right? Absolutely,
1: absolutely right about that, man.
0: You no, know, I'm I'm old. That. That's why I got the Peloton. Okay, I'm on the Peloton. All right, yeah. me. Anyone out there on the Peloton, find me. My username is Reggie's Dad One. Find me. All right, I find me. All right. Uh, it, it's good, Rashad. It's a good life. This fitness thing. Okay, I'm trying it. I got
1: I gotta get on it CBC. We're gonna be talking about your fitness at at 40
0: plus. Maybe I'm talking about a comeback. <laughs> I was just listening to Mike Tyson on rog- Rogan talking about the comeback. All right. Maybe today I'll be talking to Machita. Maybe I'll say, Hey Machita, you know. You get by Phil Davis. I got a, I got a guy for you.
1: All right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Victoria, <laughs> Boy, I okay. looking at with a fight.
0: <laughs> I'm saying, I've always got your back. Always promoting for you. All right. You know what I'm saying? Thank you. Uh, so that's the Nick Diaz. Uh, Paige Van Zandt, Rashad. Her husband, Austin Vanderford, has pulled out of this weekend's Bellator extravaganza with the COVID, unfortunately. Now Paige, BKFC star, claims she has caught It from her husband. I hope that's the only thing that no, that's, that's that's totally inappropriate. I take actually I take that back in the moment. Um uh Rashad, I don't really know what I'm asking you here, but Paige did uh put up a uh weird video on uh Instagram about this. Uh here it is.
1: Oh my gosh, my eye is crazy. Yeah I'm coughing up the Yankees <sighs> gave me
0: corona uh the post pleaded with the fans to quote help her out rashad what kind of help is she looking for here
1: i I, I don't i don't know i it's i don't i don't i mean what what what, uh, yeah okay yeah, yeah that that's uh yeah, was she was she supposed to like um, fight soon? Like, what is, what is she? She doesn't have soon? a
0: fight yet, but uh, it was yeah. pretty clear. It seemed Rashad that I you know, I heard. I, I, I actually, I watched the press conference that she had with BKFC. You know, they're investing not just in her as the fighter, obviously, but her, the brand. They were going to have her on the broadcast team, have her essentially be the face of the promotion in all public atmosphere. So obviously, you know, that, that was a little bit of a weird video. It's disgusting. At what point do you realize that this guy's an incompetent fool? All right. Not, no, not that. Um, but uh, hopefully they, they bounce back because uh, her, her husband is undefeated despite his really bad neck tat. And uh, hopefully they bounce back there. But yeah, I want to see Paige. Uh, I want to see her happy. I don't understand the BKFC thing. I want to see her happy though. All right.
1: I think she Yeah, should. I mean, let, let's hope that she's just like a uh, model for them and she never actually fights, man. Just I mean, watching those fights, man. Those and actually there's a fight this weekend, so it, it's uh it's tough, man. That's a tough way to make a living, man. I'll tell you. Yeah. That.
0: Yeah, I did want there's a lot of names on that BKFC card. It's uh, a pretty good card. Friday night. It's uh, BKFC. Twelve is the card. You got some Kendall Grove on that. I mean, there's some. There's Man, some is... on there lingering. All right. If 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 people are into that, shout it out. I thought BKFC was getting into bed with the zone. I, there may not be a zone tomorrow, Rashad. You never know. They had some big layoffs. Canelo's trying to take him down. Um, Bellator's getting off the zone. It, it it seems as well. So we'll see where that's going. All right then, uh, Rashad. Also. Also, in the news uh, this week, uh, Dom Reyes says he's putting the John Jones chapter of his career behind him. He's ready to move on. Seems like a good strategy ahead of the Jan Blahowicz fight coming up for that vacant 205 crown. Um, did you happen to catch the KOs on Tuesday night in the Dana White Contender Series? I missed the show, but good God, there were gifs on the internet jumping off like crazy. You been catching up with that, Ish?
1: Oh, yeah. I caught up to it. You know, Phil Hawes uh, training out here. And um at the gym with Henry Hoof, man. He had a really good Sean this, you know, yesterday. Really nice overhand right off of a block. And it was perfect timing. But it was a good Sean for him because he's been one of those guys who, you know, had to take the long road. You know what I'm saying? He was there and so close and just kind of, you know, wasn't able to figure it out for for whatever reason. And uh, now he's got everything clicking on all cylinders and now he can you know, be the, the talent that we foreseen a long time ago. But see, that's that's the thing that this whole mixed martial arts game, it presents, you know, like a lot of guys have so many, so much talent and they're really good fighters, but they don't make it to the next level for whatever reason. A lot of times it's, you know, they can have something going on personally at home or whatever the case may be. And they just can't mentally put themselves in the position to, to give that effort when it counts. And, uh, you know, it, it takes, going on the show like the Consent Tender series to see if you're at that level yet. And now we see that Phil Hall is definitely at that level.
0: Uh, Rashad, one of my, I will not say favorite, but a guy I always respected, Ricardo Lamas. It is official. After that recent victory, he is announcing his retirement. Uh, he was 20 and 8 as a professional, 11 in 6 in the UFC, 38 years old. Uh, I always loved this guy. And I think that although, you know, WEC veteran, UFC veteran, although he never got past the you know over the hill to the on the title level are you ever gonna forget UFC 199 the final 10 seconds of round three against Max Holloway do you remember this where the two oh, of yeah. them stood in the center of the octagon Max pointed to the ground Lamas was game and they just tucked the damn chin and let the the haymakers go there there's no victory in that and Lamas has had a really nice career around that but that moment to me is is Max and that's who Ricardo Lamas is.
1: Absolutely. And he shared a little bit of that moment. We've seen flashes of that in his last performance. You know, it was a brilliant performance where he fought a really game guy, short notice guy who came in there and uh, had everything to gain. And in a fight like that, it's the easiest to uh, start to, you know, go downhill. Once you start, you know, getting your butt whooped by somebody who has no business even being in the fight with you, you know, that can be morally demoralizing. and, And, you know, especially if you're thinking this might be your last fight, it can mentally go downhill real quick for you. But for Lamas, he didn't let that happen. He strapped it up and he went into it and he gave the performance of his lifetime. And like you said, it was like one of those performances that we've seen with Max where he just, you know, 10 toes down and it's in the got the gun and got busy.
0: By the way, that moment I was, I was lucky enough to be, uh, you know, in the second media row for that at the forum in LA that was a a roar from the crowd, like a guttural, raw, real, you know, those Southern California, you know, a lot of oh, fans, those fans, no fights. Oh, and man. that roar was something special in that moment, you know, because I've been in UFC fights all over, you know, the States and not every crowd's the same, you know, there's, there's, there's generic UFC fans all over, but there's certain pockets of the nation that we all can agree are, are the real fight fan. You know, you go to Toronto, Montreal, LA, you know, Madison square garden, you get the real,
1: the fight real fight fans.
0: So uh, shout out to that. i uh, quickly Rashad. This guy comes out. Uh, Ch- Chumaev, who's, uh, making his way in the welterweight division and, and, calling out everybody on Twitter. Uh, he was rumored for like 14 different fights, but it looks like September 19th, he's going to face, uh, Gerald Mearshart, the meerkat there. Uh, is he going to send another man to hell?
1: I mean, that, that's that's definitely um, a step up in competition. And, and Mearshart is is pretty tough in areas where this guy shines at, which is on the ground, which he's going to have to need to be. But uh, I, I think Mearshart can make him stand up a little bit so we can see what he has on his feet.
0: Did you see that video of uh, Jemaev dropping Gustafson in sparring with a uh, kick to the stomach?
1: Should no, I, I I.
0: I mean, you always say what happens. In, listen, keep a code, right? What happens in sparring stays in sparring. Somebody I, had. A-
1: I, I see it, and and maybe that that would explain, you know, what what we've been seeing out, out of Gustafson because it looked like somebody stole the soul, man. I mean, maybe it happened in practice. Who knows? But you know, um, it, it it's hard to, uh you know, because because. That, that's impressive if he did do that you know if he's able if he's able to do that and he has that level in his stand-up then we have a big treat ahead of us because we haven't seen the best of this guy yet I mean he has that long leverage that that works really well for him when he's on the ground now just imagine him turning that long leverage with his stand-up you know using it for the stand-up with his kicks and with his punches and everything it could be uh it could be something to see
0: uh, one of my favorite UFC fighters, Betch Koheya, recently cut has, will get one more UFC fight. She's calling it her retirement bout December 5th against Yanan Wu. Uh, I don't know much about Wu Rashad, but uh, I-, I like to see anyone go out on their own terms. So hopefully Betch can, uh, can, you know, mount up one final training camp. Maybe, maybe end the career with the dance. That's all we want to see. We want to see the damn dance.
1: <laughs>
0: right? It is what it is. Okay. <laughs> Betcha. All right. Uh, I think I had one other thing. Oh yeah. Uh It looks like we are going in that direction of Masvidal, Nate Diaz, too. Uh, There's no date or site. It'll probably headline a pay-per-view. It could be a badass co-main. I just wanted to hit you up because there's some people who are trying to make the case that this is Masvidal going away from the direction he was going. Title direction, right? Took the title fight on last-minute notice against Usman. Came up short, but it's almost like he gets a, a rain check for something bigger. Do you agree that going back to Nate, a guy he pretty much handled for two and three quarter rounds is somewhat of a step back.
1: Um, I don't think it's a step back as more of a, as a, a, a setup more than anything. I think that this was, this should have been his, his step before he fought with Usman. I don't think he was ready to fight Usman. Uh, I think that he, he should have at least had another fight with somebody else before he fought Usman, but this fight, it, it allows him to, continue to grow in the direction that he was growing in which is the most popular fighter you know what I'm saying Let, let's be honest here he, he was uh want, people want to see him fight Camaro because he was very popular at the time he had that that you know the BMF championship so I think this allows him to just go back to being that popular guy at the 175 170 pound weight class and then You know, potentially, you know, maybe put him in 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 the conversation to fight Leon Edwards or whatever the case may be, and then we can see maybe a rematch with Usman. But as it stands right now, he don't really want no smoke with Usman, and he knows that it is going to take him um, some time. So it's going to take him a little bit of time for him to crack that nut because you can say what you want to say out of your mouth when you feel another man like that. When he felt that pressure that that uh, Usman had on him. That's, that's, not easily, that's not easily forgetting. You know? He's not easily forgetting that.
0: That's real talk. That is real talk right there, Rashad. Speaking of Usman, we know it's looking like December 12th he's going to defend that title against Gilbert Burns. That card uh, rumored to have Amanda Nunes against Megan Anderson, and they have added a potential third fight there, Rashad. Women's strawweight, the best division in the world, not named lightweight, Amanda Hibas versus Carla like, as as a- Give me some of that, Right.
1: Yeah. 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 Carla Esparza is, is looking like, like a beast, man. She's looking so good. So good.
0: Give me a lot of that. Okay. He boss, of course coming off that uh, absolute dismantling there of Paige Van Zandt and uh, moving back down to women's straw weight. It's going to be interesting. Uh, Rashad this weekend, speaking of women's straw weight, we have a new main event for the ESPN card taking place at the apex UFC. Vegas 10 is the unofficial name. It's going to be on ESPN plus uh, you are. Are you on this one?
1: Yes, I am. Okay, okay. Yes, okay, I, I like that.
0: Uh, we, of course, thought we were going to have a different main event, Glover Teixeira against my man, Mahetta. Uh Somebody took okay, thank you. Thank you, fellas. Uh, somebody has caught the COVID, uh, Rashad, so we are going to... Uh, uh, postpone that one okay tested positive was to shara that bout's moving to october 3rd on the holly holm irene aldana card so here's what we got for this makeshift main event could have done a lot worse from my perspective now i love women well i love women and i love women at 115 pounds i also love me michelle waterson versus angela hill in this saturday's main event rashad i think we can agree waterson's a huge name not really going in the right direction following that Yuana loss. It sort of told us maybe the title run is never going to be there. But I feel like she's the old guard now against a revitalized Angie Hill, who may be coming off a loss, but is trying to tell us that, A, she could have won that fight, and B, she might be finding out how to be great. I like now stretching this out to five rounds to see what this is going to tell us about where these two are going.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. You know, I totally agree. Uh, I don't think three rounds are going to really give us what we wanted to see. You know, I think that um, these women are, are at a pivotal point. You know, uh, Michelle Watterson, you know, she needs to have a good win here and just to show that she belongs to be in the conversation uh, of, of having a title shot or that she's just not, you know, she's her greater days and pass her by. And uh, Angela, you know, she's been making such, a a huge wave with momentum even you know just by competing the way that she had you know she hasn't won all those short notice fights but what that has amounted to that has amounted to her just acquiring so much experience so much confidence in herself and, and honing some of those skills that she may have stuttered on before now she's so confident she throws technique without even thinking about it and that allows her to be so much more fluid out there than her opponent so Michelle has a really tough fight with this rising Angela, who has so much belief in herself. And this this matchup right here is going to be a big matchup for the weight class, because I think the win the winner of this fight, it it projects themselves to be in a big conversation of who gets that title next.
0: Yeah, I like that, the, just the way it played out. It does offer Michelle Watterson, despite coming off two defeats, a chance to prove that there's still something left in that tank. What's odd is that she's a year younger than, than Angie Hill, yet Hill is the one we're sort of looking at as the, the, the riser of the two, even though, that, again, that split decision loss to Carla Esparza could have gone either way. But she's packaged some wins together nicely. Uh, some people hating on this main event. I'm always here to love it. Uh, what was bumped up to the co-main, though? is a lightweight bout. I don't know much about Atman uh, Zatir, Azatar, but he's going in there against Red Hot comma, Worthy. And if you ain't woke to the seven fight win streak that Worthy is putting together, including some vicious stoppages since joining the UFC in which he uh, submitted Luis Pena in round three in June and knocked out Devontae Smith uh, last August, right before that. I know he's 33. I know he's got six losses, but this guy's figuring out who he can be. I don't know what does you call himself the the Death Star the Death Predator or something like that. Should, how glued should our eyes be on who Kama worthy is is trying to become?
1: I mean he, he he should be really glued. I mean he's he's phenomenal. He's got this build too that that is perfect for his weight class. You know very uh, very John Jones esque. You know very tall and rangy, but he has uh, some accidental power. And by that I mean he just kind of throws punches. And he throws them with speed and precision and he don't even know, like he's not throwing them to knock them out. He's just throwing them fast just as a reaction and it's putting people to sleep, you know? So he's got that power in his hands and, um, He's believing in himself, you know, I, 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 you know, he's lost six times, but you know, when you learn like how he's been learning from those losses, you grow at such a rate. And it looks as if those six losses have, you know, now they're, they're, they're turning out to be something that's helping him out because you see it in his performances, you know, he's much more cerebral, much more confident in his attack and his approach. And he has power to boot, but Otman, I mean, he's got a tough one in Ottman. this guy from, uh, from Egypt. From Egypt, that that area over there, uh, over Morocco, Moroccan star. He's a he's a beast, man. He's he's something to watch as well, too. This is going to be a good fight. Uh,
0: Otman is uh, nicknamed the Bulldozer. Thirty years old. He's twelve and O, and he is fresh off his own UFC debut last September, in which he won by knockout over Timu Wow, Sometimes I'm sorry, Rashad. I'm trying. I'm trying to be hardcore here. I don't want to be a, ca- a filthy cash. I can't know them all, though. Okay, I can't. Yeah. Know so
1: them all. so this this guy right here, he. Um, He's, he's been getting a lot of work in. He's one of Ali's guys. He's one of Ali's guys at Dominus MMA, and he's worked out, you know, he's been training alongside, uh, you know, Usman and Gaethje and those guys went out there to ch- check him out in Morocco. <laughs> so he's been getting some work in with some good guys.
0: Yeah, iron sharpening iron out there for uh, Team Ali. Uh, shout out to that. All right, that guy's pretty dangerous. This guy is dangerous. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Very nice guy. Thank you, Dana. He might be the nicest guy in the world. He might fucking uh, on, his, on weekends might save small orphans from fucking disasters for all I know. I don't know what the guy does. Okay. We'll find out on Saturday. Uh, women's flyweight rematch, Roxanne Matafurri against Andrea KGB Lee. Rashad, they fought to a split decision in 2014 in Invicta. They'll run it back again. I'm not expecting you to care a ton. Do you?
1: <laughs> I mean, look, I like Roxanne, man. Roxanne, Roxanne, she, she's, she's somebody I, I like to watch fight because I like to watch her development. You know, for, for the longest time, I was like, man, she's so terrible. I used to think that. I'm sorry. I used to think that. But she's grown so much. She's grown to like one of those fighters. I'm like, yo, she's gotten so good, man. She's gotten so good. She
0: also shows up to the fights wearing 17 pieces of fabric. she got knee pads, <laughs> elbow pads, uh, helmets on. Uh, She's trying to
1: be safe, man.
0: Uh, yeah, well, that's true. Hey, Billy Q's back. Billy Quarantillo, the uh, the featherweight who looked great in his last outing within the quarantine's comeback against Kyle Nelson. I like a few of the fights deeper on this card, though. Women's Bantamweight, Julia Avila against Sahara Sajara Eubanks. Excuse me, Sarge. That's a good little banger there. That's going to be some uh, some action there, considering that Julia Avila uh, in the division in which there's just nothing going on has run off five, four in a row, knocked out Gina Manzani in, uh, in June of this year. And we know Sajara Eubanks can, can fight. I, I mean, she's, it's unfortunate Rashad for Eubanks that she can't make, uh, women's flyweight. Uh, you know, she hasn't yet to prove at 35 that she's a, a, you know, a future star, but, uh, she's coming off a win. It's going to be an interesting one right there.
1: Um, Are you moved by anything else? Bobby Green, Alan Patrick? I mean, you know, I mean, the the steamroller for Vola and Roosevelt Roberts, that's going to be a great one. I mean, you gotta, you gotta watch steamroller every time he's out there, man, especially Roosevelt Roberts, man. These are the guys, especially Roosevelt Roberts. He's been rolling during these, the, the, the whole pandemic fights. You know, he's been one of those guys who've been having his hand up the first time. Every time it's, it's a chance to call the fight. So, you know, I look at guys like this, when this is all said and done, you're going to look at Roosevelt Roberts and be like, man, this guy grew so fast. And you're going to be like, you know, it was because he was taking all these fights during the pandemic. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Uh, A lot of people keeping busy out there. Not just Hannah Cyphers taking L's left and right at an unfortunate level. Rashad, this weekend we got two (laughs) Bellator cards in the Mohegan bubble. Friday night is Bellator 245. Uh, Of course, you can catch these on uh, DAZN, uh, the Paramount Network, I believe. And here's what we got. Phil Davis, Leoto Machida, part two. Uh, Do you remember their first fight by any chance?
1: I believe Phil Davis won the first fight, but I'm not sure how. I think he just kind of.
0: It was a decision. Yeah, he decisioned them. In August of 2013 in Brazil. Uh, It's been a long time for both of them since then. I'm looking forward to it. Look, I like old names. They're going to go in there. Davis is going to try to wrestle, Machida's going to try to kick him in the face. I'm here for it, all right?
1: Yeah, it's going to be a good fight. I mean, you know, uh, if if Phil goes out there and he fights his game plan, you know, he can definitely catch Machida, which he normally gets in trouble with every single time. You come close to Machita, he backs out long, head up, you know, catching with the overhand right. Let's see if Phil can uh, capitalize on that, but Machida has that, a blitzing straight left hand. I know I felt that joint myself, So, and he still got a little bit of speed on it, too, so this is going to be definitely an uh, interesting matchup.
0: It'll be interesting in the light heavyweight division, which, of course, was shaken up uh, violently there by uh, Vadim Nemkov knocking out Ryan Bader. Uh, I thought we were heading toward a Machida-Bader rematch. Let's not forget, Leoto knocked out Bader with one punch back in the UFC. But a little bit of bingo going on there, some fun stuff happening. Rashad, I saw a little bit of a debate uh, going on Twitter is Leona Machida at 42 here, former UFC 205 pound champion, your old nemesis. Is he a like all-time great, like UFC Hall of Famer, all-time great, or was he just a very good fighter?
1: No, he's definitely an all-time great. You know, it's it's hard to look at who he has beaten and and look at just um, just what he's done in the sport and not think that he's. And all the time great. You know, I, when, when you look at Machida and what he's brought to the sport, he's brought karate back. You know what I'm saying? Like until Machida, karate was kind of whacked to dig like, Oh, that stuff don't work. You know, you don't really see it working at the higher levels. But then you see Machida come out there like, like Daniel LaRusso, you know what I'm saying? Just doing his thing. So.
0: Uh, he does own victories, by the I mean, we know he has that weird BJ Penn win and that open weight fight. Uh, he beat both Rich Franklin and Stefan Bonner in his first three pro fights. And then, you know, he started adding some big wins from Tito Ortiz, Tiago Silva, Rashad Evans, Shogun, Randy Couture, Ryan Bader, Dan Henderson, Musashi. Vitor Belfort threw in a win over uh, Washchel Sonnen, Rafael Carvalho. Yeah, yeah, this, guy, this guy's put it together. Uh, I thought he was going to beat Weidman that time. Maybe it's because I'm a closet Weidman hater. But uh, remember when he cut down to, for the middleweight yep, title? Yep. He had some moments in there. Got to hit moments against prime John Jones. He rocked him in round two with that left cross. People forget that because, yep. because of the way Jones – by the way, Rashad, okay? Let's be fully. I know we're winding on the show here. We we love fighting. You're the next fighter. I'm a lifetime fan and journalist, but it's not. A, it's not. A, fighting's not above scaring you once in a while, right? When somebody's taking a beating, the most scared I've ever been as a fan, where I remember in the moment, because moments can can seem long. A moment can be a half second. It could feel like a five minutes to an hour. I remember in the moment when John Jones put Machida in that standing guillotine. And then the moment he lifted him off his feet and choked him out, and then if you remember, he let go of him and Machida fell down, hit his head on the ground, and the camera zoomed in on his eyeballs and they weren't there. I remember that moment thinking, A, he's dead, and B, uh, I don't ever want my name associated with this freaking sport. Like, I, it scared me. On the, <laughs> now, look, in, in hindsight, it's stupid, but it scared me the same way. I know you remember this, when Juan Manuel Marquez knocked out Manny Pacquiao with one punch in 2012, oh. for 55 seconds, Not gonna fool around. We thought he was dead, and if you don't think that's that's true, go back and look at the faces of the people at ringside. We thought he was dead. Uh, Jones Machida was a brutal finish. Am I wrong?
1: No, you're absolutely right. I remember watching that fight too, and I still to like like the way that Jones walked away after he did that. It's one of the cold. It's it's so cold blooded. You know what I'm saying? It was like one of the most cold blooded things that John Jones has ever did. You know Mm -hmm. And, and.
0: He's done a lot
1: of them. He's done a lot of them. Like, just ask that question. Well, well, let me take that back. Maybe not the cold-blooded thing, but it was up there. It was pretty cold-blooded, man. He, he walked off on them. And, uh, it, it, yeah. It, yeah, at that point, I was like, ooh, this John Jones, boy, it, it, he's serious, man. But, uh, Very serious. Very yeah.
0: All right. Uh, so that's a good ass fight. I, I don't know who I'm leaning. We're you know, Machida at 42 doesn't look done. He really doesn't. And so, you know, I don't think Phil Davis has an identity right now. There was that, you know, he lost the light heavyweight title to Bader in that really boring ass fight lost to Nemkov. He's 35. Um, is there time? I mean, he's has a two fight win streak, but is there time for Davis to, to strike on the level that he can wrestle?
1: I mean, listen. Um, yeah, for sure. Davis Davis is a wrestler, and and that's always going to be his bread and butter. He, you know, that that's something he can always fall back on. Uh, what he's going to have to do is he's going to have to work on that blend a little bit better, that transitional blend where he looks as if like he's punching, but he's really wrestling, and he looks like he's wrestling, but he's really punching. If he can work on that fluidity of that dynamic a little bit, then I think he's going to be able to catch a very off balance. Machita, but I mean, Machita has been staying young, and you know how I believe Machita's been staying young? He Seriously. uses urine therapy. He drinks his oh, own oh. urine. No, that's, <laughs> no that, that's urine therapy works. It, that's it, some R. Kelly shit right there,
0: and you know this, Rashad. Remember, Juan Marquez used to drink that stuff. What's going on here? It,
1: it's, it's, they say it's the fountain of youth. That's what they, that's what they say urine therapy.
0: If drinking your own piss is cool, consider me Miles Davis then. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. Uh, gross. Okay. Uh, Rashad, uh, we'll see. We'll see on that fight. Kat Zingano making her uh, Bellator debut in a women's featherweight co-main event against Gabby Holloway. What do you think about Ed Ruth, one of the greatest collegiate wrestlers we've known in the modern era, now moving up to middleweight following that loss to Yaroslav Amosov going in there against Taylor Johnson? Uh, it's still early in the MMA experiment for the 29-year-old Ruth. I see an insane amount of talent there, Rashad. Uh, ten fights into the career, when do we get worried?
1: Um, I mean I, I think after this pans out at 185 to see w- what we're dealing with here. You know what I'm saying? I think that uh, you know, it could be cutting weight. When when you're cutting so much weight, it's really hard and next to impossible to take any kind of concussive blows to your head. You just don't have the water to, to rain retain the shot like that, you know? So um I I can see him wanting to bulk up. Now it's just a matter of what has he done to his body to to make it so that he feels confident and very strong at this 185 division. You know, you got to think that a lot of guys, they're cutting down. So you got to be able to match that with your size and strength and power coming from a smaller weight class.
0: Uh, We're also going to get Raymond Daniels, the 40-year-old, you know, kickboxing. Oh, this is going to be exciting uh he's he's kind of having like a Kung lee and strike force type run here this will be his fourth pro mma bout he's going to take on peter stenonic no defense no you know no disrespect to peter stenonic but uh, he may be a lamb being brought to the slaughter we'll see for entertainment purposes Rashad, you know somebody's got to play the b-side we'll find out there also javier carvalho on that undercard tyrell fortune moving up to heavyweight there right
1: yeah yeah, wasn't he already at it or
0: no? I, I may have missed the last few uh Tyrell Fortune episodes. Sorry
1: about yeah. that.
0: 246, Rashad is the following night, Saturday night. Same setup here, but our main event is one that we like. It is a vacant phantom weight title bout. No Horiguchi – or no uh yeah, no, no uh, Kyoto Horiguchi here. It's gonna be Juan Archuleta against unbeaten Patchy Mix. Uh Rashad, I I think the storyline is is Patchy Mix has fantastic and sensational as those recent submission wins under the beltor banner is showing you for this unbeaten fighter.
1: Yeah. I mean, listen, very slick with the submissions um, transitions. Very good. Uh, looks, looks very dominant. It's hard. It's hard to say he's not what, what we've seen. You know, I haven't seen any reason to believe any differently, you know? So I think that patchy might be the real deal when it comes to the groundwork and being so efficient at getting the wins in the, uh, in, in the, in the cage.
0: Uh, Archuleta's been on a nice run as well. Solid fighter. This is going to be good. This is going to be a good one here to see who's the man at 135 under the Bellator banner. I like me that co-main event. Maybe, maybe Rashad, John Fitch going in there against Neiman Gracie. It could be an outstanding uh exhibition of all things submission grappling and pro in uh amateur wrestling or it could be two guys humping each other for three rounds. Which which side are you
1: taking? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I'm taking I'm taking uh <laughs> I'm taking them humping each other for three all right.
0: <laughs> people hate John Fitch by the way he is uh he is five and one since twenty fourteen and that one I'm sorry five oh and one that one is a draw with Roy McDonald in which uh yeah, all right. Hey, that's it. Liz Kamush also making her Veltor debut on that card. Rashad, that'll wrap up the show. We got to roll out of here. Shout out to the super producer, Mikey Mormal, Mo- for making it happen. Uh, People can check you and I out next Monday. Morning Combat. All right, the transition's beginning here. Luke Thomas has the week off, and uh, we're about to take this thing downtown. Okay? All right. All right, we're about to get canceled. All right, well, let's do it. <laughs> no other guy I want to get fired with than you, Rashad, okay? Thank you. All right. You still there? Okay. (laughs) Great talking to you. You got any messages from people as we exit here?
1: No, buddy. You said it all, man. (laughs) We out. Yeah, we out. Okay, thank you. Thank you.